Jesus, that is our prayer tonight, that you would send a revival like you've done it before. God, we ask you to do it here today. God, I pray that your kingdom will come on earth just as it is in heaven as we praise your holy name because, God, we recognize that you are our everything. God, you are the authority of everything. And, God, we praise you because of that. God, we recognize your authority, God. And, God, we ask you to let your presence dwell in this place. God, we ask you to change and transform lives. God, we ask you that each and every person who came in here today, whether they were seeking you or not, God, I pray that right now you speak to their heart. And God, I pray you speak to their mind, speak to their spirit. And I pray that you show up in their life and you show them just how real you are. God, I pray you let every single one of us in here to hear your voice, to know what your voice sounds like and to obey what you're calling us to do. God, I thank you so much for your presence. God, I thank you so much for what you're gonna do in these places. God, because we've done everything we can do. God, we've practiced. God, we've prepared. But it is only you who can do the transforming. God, it's only you who can change hearts and change lives. So God, that is what we're asking you to do here tonight. God, I pray that you change lives. Transform us into you. Help us become more like you, Jesus. I ask you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. of our sermon series, Wasted Grave. Last week, we talked about how sin was a wasted pleasure because sin always leads to death and it never satisfies. Today, we're talking about how temptation is a wasted satisfaction and how unworthiness is a wasted excuse to go after God. So how, or have, my question is, have you ever had to endure a temptation? Something that was drawing your eye whenever you knew that you couldn't have it or you knew you shouldn't have it. Maybe like you were on a diet and that piece of cake or that cookie was calling after your name. I know I've done that a million times in Brooklyn. She even encourages me. She's like, just eat the cookie. And temptation is a real thing, right? So my question tonight, and temptation, it can be something as lighthearted as wanting to eat a cookie whenever you're on a diet. But it can be a far more serious Thing. And so the question tonight is, how do we endure temptation? And notice I used the word endure. I didn't use the word overcome because enduring temptation is the key. Because enduring, it, it signifies that it's going to keep coming. And that temptation is going to last. And that many times it's going to be hard and it's going to be difficult. So how do we endure temptation? So tonight we're going to look at the Jesus story. And Jesus is going to show us how to not give into temptation. Because Jesus, he was tempted. The Bible says he was tempted just as we were. And why it was so important that he endured and how he did that. So if you have your Bibles, I know many of you guys brought your Bibles tonight. Awesome job. Open up to Luke chapter 22, um, verse 39. That is where we're going to read. So just the context. Last week we talked about how Judas, he wanted to portray Jesus 
And so right after Jesus, they had the last supper, they were all eating together, and he said, one of you is going to betray me. After they had that supper, they all, all, him and all of his disciples, except for Judas, Judas, he went off to go betray Jesus. So Jesus and the other 11 disciples, they go to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray. That's what Jesus was going to do. This is the night before he was arrested, and they go to the Garden to pray. And so this is where our story picks up. Luke twenty-two thirty-nine. 39, it says, then... Accompanied by the disciples, Jesus left the upstairs room and he went as usual to the Mount of Olives. There he told them, pray that you will not give into temptation. He walked away about a stone's throw and he knelt down and prayed, Father, if you are willing, please take this cup of suffering away from me. Yet I want your will to be done, not mine. Then an angel from heaven appeared and strengthened him. He prayed more fervently, and he was in such agony of spirit that his sweat fell to the ground like great drops of blood. At last he stood up again. He returned to the disciples, only to find them asleep, exhausted from grief. Why are you sleeping, he asked them. Get up and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. So the, the thing that strikes me right there, it says Jesus was in such agony that he, he sweated like great drops of blood. And this is actually a confirmed medical phenomenon, and it's called, let me see if I can pronounce this right, hematohydrosis. So it's actually a thing that happens whenever you're under such pressure, you're under such anxiety, you're under such stress, that the capillaries in your forehead actually burst with blood, and it looks like you're sweating blood. So what this signifies is that Jesus, he was very anxious about what was going to happen and what was going to take place, because it says he knew what was going to happen. He prayed, God, if it is your will, if it is possible, take away this suffering that is about to happen. Jesus, in full humanity, he asked God for a way out. He was tempted to forego the crucifixion on the cross, which would mean that if he, if he fell for that, if he asked God to do that, we would still be dead in our sins and we would be without hope of going to heaven. The Bible says many times that Jesus, he was tempted with all the same things that we are tempted with today. Jesus it says he was tempted with everything and yet he is without sin. It means he overcame, he endured all those temptations. And he was even tempted by Satan to get control of the whole world by worshiping him. This is found in Matthew chapter 4. Satan offered him everything. Satan offered him a way out of the crucifixion. He offered him a way out of the death. But it would have ended in a way that we would not have chosen life. We would all still be dead in our sins. And so whenever Jesus was offered a way out, he chose obedience to God. He understood that giving into temptation even though it was going to bring momentary relief, it would not bring real satisfaction. He knew that if he gave in to the temptation, the Bible says he could have called a whole legion of angels to come and take him away where he wouldn't have to go and die. He knew that that would have brought momentary satisfaction. It would have kept him from having to be put on the cross, but ultimately it would have failed the plan that God had. Giving in to temptation is a wasted satisfaction. All temptations start from a lie. Whenever you're tempted with something, there's a lie going on inside your heart and inside your mind that says it would be better if you gave in to this temptation. 
It would be better if you stopped fighting. It would be better if you just gave in and you did whatever you were tempted to do. All temptations start with a lie. But as soon as you fall for that temptation, it never satisfies. It never fills that hole, whatever that is that you're trying to fill, because temptations always go away. It never satisfies. But there is hope to endure because all of us face temptations of many kinds. And it's not always just cookies whenever we want to die. All of us face different temptations. But there is hope to endure. Jesus, whenever he was praying, he, he says, pray that you will not fall in temptation. And then in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, it says, the temptations in your life are no different from what others experience. So the temptation that you're experiencing right now, it's no different. Someone else has experienced the exact same temptation. It says, God is faithful. He will not allow the temptation to be more than you can stand. When you are tempted, he will show you a way out so that you can endure. So God is faithful. He knows the temptations that are on our heart and on our mind. And it says, he will not he was faithful and he will show us a way out so that we can endure. And endure, that doesn't mean we're overcome. We find the way out and it means it goes away for, and it comes back again. And then we can find that way out again. But notice, how do we endure and overcome temptation? How do we find that way out? It goes back to what Jesus told his disciples. He says, pray that you will not fall into temptation. Because whenever we pray, that means we're having a close relationship with God. We overcome and endure temptation by having that close relationship with God. We overcome by praying because that is whenever we hear God telling us the way out. That verse, that says, God is faithful and he will show us the way out of the temptation. Because whenever we're in the temptation, the other lie is that there's no way around it. We're either going to have to fight this temptation and just think about that all the time, all the time, all the time, or we have to give in to it. But the guy, it says God will show us a way out. And you can only know what that way out is whenever you first have that close relationship with him. And that all stems back to prayer. And then the last thing, it's praying again. Praying because you have a close relationship with God. Praying so that you can hear God and find the way out. And then praying, God, not, your will be, not my will be done, but yours. Because God's will is that we would never fall into temptation. God's will is that we would always obey him. God's will is that we would never give in to the this little satisfaction, satisfying desires that we have in the moment. God's will is so much better for us. God's will for us is life. God's will for us is hope. God's will for us is to have a complete satisfaction in him. And so whenever we're facing that temptation, it's praying, God, not my will be done. Not this little temptation I want to fall into. It's praying, God, your will be done. Even though it's going to be hard, your will be done, not mine. That's what we see right here in this temptation. Jesus endured, and he obeyed God. But what helped him endure the temptation? It wasn't because he was God. Because he, the Bible tells us in Philippians chapter 2 that he gave up his divine privileges. Jesus, whenever he was on earth, he was 100% God. He was also 100% human. So it wasn't because he was God that he was able to endure the temptation. Because he gave up his divine privileges. It was because of his love for God and his love for wanting to do the will that he had from the plan that he set out to accomplish. But it was also his love for each and every one of us because he knew what it would cost if he gave it up. But his love for each and every single one of us, whether you felt that love before or not, that love is what drove him to the cross. That love is what let him not give up. 
So after Jesus prays, going back into the story, after Jesus prays, after this story, it says Judas comes back with the temple guard. So Judas, he just left the dinner and Jesus is praying because he knows what was about to happen. And Judas, he walks back up with the temple guard, with the, with the police. And he says, this is Jesus. This is the guy you need to arrest. And so this story is crazy. You need to go back and you need to read the story because this is where Peter, he brings out a sword. Where'd Peter get a sword at? He cuts a dude's ear off. Jesus says, no, don't do that. Put the sword away. He puts the ear back on the guy. He heals the guy. But Jesus, he ends up getting arrested. And he goes and he's tried as an innocent man and they end up convicting him to death as an innocent person. And so this is where we pick up the story. Jesus is convicted to death and he's led to the crucifixion. He has to carry his own cross. Luke chapter 23, if you have your Bibles, verse 32. It says, two others, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to the cross. And the criminals were also crucified, one on his right and one on his left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they are doing. And the soldiers, they gambled for his clothes by throwing dice. The crowd watched and the leader scoffed. He saved others, they said. Let him save himself if he really is God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers mocked him too by offering him a drink of sour wine. They called him out and he says, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. A sign was fastened above him with these words, this is the king of the Jews. One of the criminals hanging beside him, he scoffed and he says, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested, don't you fear God even when you have been sentenced to die. We deserve to die for the crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you today, you will be with me in paradise. By this time, it was about noon, and darkness fell across the whole land until three o'clock. The light from the sun was gone. And suddenly the, camp, the curtain in the sanctuary of the temple was torn down the middle. And Jesus shouted, Father, I entrust my spirit into your hands. And with those words, he breathed his last. The question is, why did Jesus have to die? Why was that part of God's plans? Why couldn't Jesus have given in and not died on the cross? Why did Jesus have to die? Because he could have got out of it. He prayed. He was tempted. He was so close to getting out of it. The, de the devil even tempted him by offering him a way out. Why did he have to die? He died because of the love that he, that he had for each and every one of us. He died as a perfect sacrifice for all of our sins because the holiness and the justice of God required death. We read about it in Romans that the, the penalty of sin is death. Every time we sin, every time we sin, we earn more and more death. That's what the Bible says, the wages of sin. That's what we earn. But Jesus, he, he, he understood that. He took all of our sins, all of our shame, and all of our guilt, guilt and he presented it to God as a perfect sacrifice. Because only a perfect, sinless human being could have ever died for our, our place. That is the only thing that could have ever satisfied the wrath of God. 
And because of that, because Jesus took every single one of our sins with him onto the cross, all the sins we've ever committed and all the sins we ever will commit, Jesus bore all that. He was carrying that on the cross to him. He, would, he nailed that to the cross with him. Jesus carried all that with him. And that satisfied the, the justice of God. That satisfied the wrath of God. The Bible says that we all sinned and we've all fallen short of the glory of God. But with the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. And it's because of his death that he just did on the cross for us. And if the band will go ahead and come back. Here is how much Jesus loved us. It's one of my favorite passages in the Bible. I know I say that by every single passage I read. But Romans chapter 5, verse 6 through 10, he reads this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and he died for us sinners. Now, most people would be willing to die for an upright person, though, though someone might perhaps be willing to die for somebody who is especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. For since our friendship with God has restored by the death of his son, while we are still enemies, he will, we will certainly be saved through the life of Christ. It says, whenever we were utterly helpless, because there was nothing that we could have ever done to earn our salvation. There's nothing we could have ever done to become a friend of God because God is so holy that our sin separated us and there's no way we could have ever bridged that gap by ourselves. We were utterly helpless. It says, while we were still sinners, while we were still far off from God, while we were still not going to church, we weren't praying to God, we weren't even thinking about God. Whenever you did your worst thing you could have ever done, whenever you were your farthest away from God, the Bible says, while we were still sinners, that's when Christ died for us. Whenever we were completely unworthy, that's when Jesus died for us. Unworthiness is a wasted excuse not to respond to God because God died for us whenever we were at our most unworthy. Whenever we deserved it the least, the Bible says that's when Christ died for us. Because if, the, if you're using that excuse, I'm not good enough to come to God. I'm not a good person. I, I've, I've done too many bad things. You will understand. I'm not accepted at school. I'm not accepted in my family. Why would God ever accept me? Unworthiness is a wasted excuse because God doesn't care how unworthy you think he is. He already calls you a son and daughter of God. The Bible says that you are his masterpiece. Whenever you come to God, whenever you are created as a new creation, the Bible says you are a masterpiece because God is shaping you. He's forming you into a beautiful thing. You are never too far to be saved from God. You don't ever have to clean yourself up. You just have to say yes to Jesus. It's as simple as that. You just have to respond to God. The Bible says that if we confess him as Lord, we believe in our heart, that's whenever we are saved. It's about what you think about Jesus in your heart. It's about what you confess with your mouth. Is Jesus the Lord of your life or is he not? It's black and white. It's either he is the Lord of your life and you're gonna serve him with everything you have or he's not. There's no middle ground. Jesus is your Lord or he's not your Lord. You just have to say yes to Jesus. So tonight, with every head bowed and every eye closed, no way you're looking around. If you've never said yes to Jesus, or, or maybe you have, 
but you feel like you've fallen off and you want to accept Jesus as the Lord of your life, raise your hand so I know who I'm praying for. Whether you're raising it for the first time or maybe you feel like you need to do it again, you need to come back to God. I see that hand over to the right. I see hands there all over the place. I want everyone to repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Cleanse me of my unrighteousness. Forgive me of everything I've ever done wrong. And accept me into your kingdom. I believe in you, that you died and rose again to save me. Now, God, I make you the Lord of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. You can, you can look up again. Saying those words doesn't save you. It's not a magic spell. You don't say a certain amount of words in, in a way. That's not what gets you into heaven. It's all about the belief that you have in Jesus and then confessing and living your life as if he is the Lord of your life. You believe that God, you believe that Jesus died. You believe that he rose again and you believe that he did all that to save you. That's what gets you into heaven. That's how you become a Christian. That's how you get saved. Reading in the next verse, we read Romans 5, 6 through 10, verse 11. It says, so now we can rejoice in our wonderful new relationship with God because of our Lord Jesus Christ. He made us friends with God. We are now friends with God. If you said yes to Jesus, if you ever raised your hand, you are walking, we, can, we are now a friend of God and there's nothing that we could have ever done to do that. It's all about what Jesus did for us. And that's something the Bible says that we can rejoice in. Christian life, it's not a burdensome life. It's not a life that's just following a bunch of rules. The Christian life is a life full of joy because we have new life that we had no way of ever getting before that. So now I want everybody to come and stand up to the front. I want everybody leaving. I want everyone to come up here and stand to the front. If you're struggling with a temptation that's too hard to endure,